Hi, this is Austin Catan, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because the number 66 gives me anxiety. This is Sasaras. Sasaras never listens to Order 66 podcast. Sasaras, too busy. But at least Sasaras tells Sasaras all about it. It is not so bad. Hey, this is a storyteller from West Virginia. I will never, ever listen to the Order 66 podcast because what I hear, they are racist against Wookiees. Calrissian, take the princess and the Wookiee to my ship. You said they'd be left at the city under my supervision. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. And load all your Colt 45 on my ship as well. Is there anything else? Now that you mention it, yes. You must never again listen to the Order of 66 podcast. Vader, you can take your beep and stick it beep, beep. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by the generous donations of Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, B. Witzel, Andy Bethel, Darren Hampton, Trevor Hill, and William Sullivan, as well as lots of viewers and listeners like you. He is trained to Minox in the art of falconry. His tears are more powerful than Colto tanks. Unfortunately, he has never cried. After meeting him, Darth Bane instituted the Rule of Three. As a Padawan, he trained his master. He is the most interesting man in the galaxy. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do... He's never the Order 66. Keep not listening, my friends. These are getting better. <laughs> three. Darth Bane instituted the rule of three. He's trained Minox in the art of falconry. <laughs> oh, uh, That is uh, Ecoma Jedi, <clears throat> ladies and germs. <clears throat> Hats off for these fine bits that keep coming. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Broadcast live, you're listening to the Order 66 Podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Wayne Basta, author of the Aristia series of novels. What's up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, and for those who are tuning in for the first time, welcome to the 66th episode of the Order Six of the New Order 66 podcast, uh, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role playing. And uh, we've got a fun show in store for you tonight. But of course, I am joined by the two finest men I know, who also podcast with me on this show: uh, GM Dave and GM Phil. What is up, gentlemen?s really glowing endorsement like that i can't understand why i'm even staying on the air (laughs) 
tell you what. Can we just go ahead and make this order uh, episode 67? No, we, we can't. just go ahead and make it 67? No, we can't. Because, you know, when 67 comes, we have a great show. We do. We have, we have, we're gonna have, we'll talk about it. We're going to have a, we have something really span, really special planned for episode 67. But um, that's good. How are you, Dave? I'm okay. I'm great. I'm force-erific. <laughs> Phil? <laughs> Me? Uh, well, I am the Wanderer. Yeah, the Wanderer. I roam around, 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 around. <laughs> wow, someone's on a Fallout binge. Don't know what you're talking about! I'm amazed you could pry yourself away from the freaking television to do the show. Oh, well, well, that's pretty easy, because I've got it on the PC, so it's all just a matter of, like, tabbing windows, that's all. Gotcha, so you're going to be with us for this show, I got it. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, very much so, and I'll just be closing <laughs> windows because it's messing with my FPS. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's going to be a fun show tonight. I'm I'm looking forward to tonight's discussion. It should be a blast. Well, we have a we have a great turnout in chat too. A lot of viewers are watching us uh, this episode live with our live simulcast. People I haven't seen in the chat either ever or in a really long time. Uh, Fezwick, um, Darth Cuddles, uh, Teal Fox, Polly, Polly, um, uh, Clone Commando, uh, thirty one thirteen, GM Scott, and actually signed up for apparently. You streamed just to watch this live cast. Lady Mornival, welcome, welcome, my lady. Why'd you change your voice there when you're talking to a girl? Be- be- because. Okay. It's like when I talk to you, I change my voice to do this. Dave. He's got a point. It's God, Dave. No, I won't stop. No, don't stop. Don't, don't, don't stop. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm as addicted to football as Phil as Phil is addicted to Fallout right now, Scott. No, it's close. That's probably true. If you were to say soccer, then you'd be close. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, they're in chat saying Echo Base is the place to be. Damn it is. Damn it is. Well, this episode is going to be a, a place to be, but we got to get on with it. Are you gentlemen ready with some announcements? You think? Let's get on with it. On with it. Do it. On okay. with it. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. Announcements. Announcements. Do we have a featured podcast of the week? We do, as a matter of fact. We're going to call this featured podcast The Geek's Menagerie, because that's what they call it, too. They've been gone for a few months, but after the hiatus, the Rambler and Green Loon Turn have returned for episode 87, A Farewell to Clara. Clara is dead. No, actually, they talk about their recent absence, but they come back into the fold with a fun variety discussion on their gaming adventures and show ideas but spend a good amount of time talking about being true Whovians, right? And they discuss the departure of Clara as the doctor's companion. Clara. Clara. Goodbye, Clara. It's a good episode. So, uh, welcome back, guys. And, uh, yeah, so get your Doctor Who on and, you know, do your do your whatever thing and go be a Whovian with them being Whovians, you know? Yeah. Great. 
more podcasts like this. Find them. B20radio.com. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasy Flight Games has been busy making some special modifications. Uh, this week, they announced the long-awaited and long-excited uh, uh, for Technician Career Book. Um, in the article, the opening article, they talk about the new specs that we will be getting in this book, the Cybertech, the Droid Tech, and the Modder. Something that should make our own moderator quite excited. Uh, they briefly talk about the signature abilities uh, that is tied in with this career, such as inventive creation, which allows a technician to build a device of their own invention out of any materials at hand uh, until the end of the encounter when it falls apart. Uh, the other one is unmatched calibration, which increases your chances at success in a single pivotal moment once per session. Uh, at its base, it allows you to re-roll two dice in your pool, enough to make a critical repair to your ship or slice into a protected enemy's systems. Both signature abilities can be upgraded to enable more impressive feats, such as building entire vehicles or changing the dice you roll in your pool. Oh. Very, very excited to see the final rules on that. Talk about new equipment, cloaking coats, data spikes, neural recorders, sonic scopes, decoy buoys, and laser focusing arrays are the uh, pieces of equipment that are mentioned in the article. And finally, possibly the most drool-worthy mention in the article, actual crafting rules. Oh, God, I'm going to cry. Detailed guidelines for making weapons, droids, cybernetics, and other devices, including ways to spend die results that affect both process and the final result. Uh, weapon and device crafting involves choosing a template, procuring materials, and finally construction. Droids work similarly. You first select a chassis, which determines the droid's basic characteristics, and you program in directives that shape its talents and skills, and finally you'll determine the sentient machine's quirky personality traits. Oh my god. That's pretty cool. And a brief tab in, uh, dabble into economics. Since the technician is often living from their trade, you'll also learn about determining how much hand, a handcrafted item might sell for and how much a mechanic should expect to get paid. Scheduled release date for special modifications, quarter one, 2016. That's not that far away. That's not nope. that far I've been waiting for so long. Nope. I am... Put it on boat now. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Oh, we had another article. Yes. Yes. Keeping the peace, gentle minds. Mm-hmm. So we have more signature abilities and species and things and something called faded duel. Uh, this one is mine, except this is for melee combat, right? So this allows a guardian to change an enemy to a one-on-one battle, or challenge, I'm sorry. Allows a guardian to challenge an enemy to a one-on-one battle, so allies have a chance to complete other tasks, defeat other foes, or even escape. This is the giant taunt. Mm-hmm. As long as Faded Duel is active, the, tool par- the two participants can only target each other, and outsiders cannot intervene. So they have gone inside the octagon square and <laughs> are fighting. Damn right. But there's also unmatched heroism. This is for a guardian who activates unmatched hero- heroism. And they can suffer strain in order to intercept attacks from any enemy against nearby allies. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Those are two incredible... I'm sorry, that's just awesome. 
I know, Perfect. and I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about little teasing details about whippets. <laughs> <laughs> you and Wookies and whippets. I know it's it's a it's a W thing, right? There's Lanik and the Tukchi or whatever the hell they're called, and yeah, but you know, there's some other stuff in there too. But <laughs> the big, bulky, hairy W races. Oh man. Yeah, you know it is what it is, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's some new spec decks coming. Consular and Mystic, which we knew were coming. Yep. And I saw this at Madness. God. Actually, I didn't see this at Madness. I saw the first wave, but... Wait, no. I think they are available, right? The the second wave of yep. Armada ships. They're now available. Yeah. So let's get the Imperial MC. class Star Destroyer. Oh, yes. man. Home 1. God. Ugh. Rogues and Villain Freighters and Final Fantasy's own Imperial Raider Corvette. So, That's Phil... Awesome. You know yes. the you know the awesome game store near us, Madness, right? Oh yeah, oh okay. yeah, I saw it. So this past weekend, they were running a special. They Black were selling, Friday. They were selling a like a, like a Black Friday weekend thing. They, yeah. They were selling Armada for forty bucks. And oh. Imperial Assault. <laughs> and Imperial Assault for forty bucks. I bought them both. Damn yo. Yeah. Damn, yo. Yeah, damn yo. Forty bucks. For, ah, shoot. Ah, oh, I wish I'd known. I would have found a way to get you guys forty bucks. <laughs> Don't you wish you were in dollars? Seriously. God. I mean, I could, I could probably find Armada on like Amazon or something for sixty, but the same, getting it down to the same price as the starter set for X-wing. Damn, yo. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh. It was it was impressive, and that Black Friday weekend they do a buy two get a third free sale on everything yes. in the store. Yes. Well, actually, the buy two get one free goes for the entire Christmas season. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. It's let's it's, it continues on. So yeah. like like it was like I picked up Mask of the Pirate Queen and Strongholds of Resistance and Chronicles of the Gatekeeper uh, yes. for for the price of two books. So exactly buy two get one, and I got them all three too. There, right there. Nice. The green tags, I think, were going to stay there until they ran out of them. So, which were the the imperial assaults? So, if anybody in Dallas, you might actually check and see if they still have any. But mm-hmm. I doubt it. it. It it made quite the splash on the on the board game um, Facebook's page last week. They were they were having to limit sales to one per person because they had some dude try to come in and buy every single copy. Of course, he was. Yeah, because then he was going to put them on eBay for uh, seventy five. Uh-huh. So, anyway, sure, that's good stuff. Well. It's there, and it's an awesome thing that we're talking about. Now, if you're looking for other awesome things, of course, head over to d20radio.com, the only gaming blog that rides an Exogorth to work in the morning. Our home online, and your home online for the best gaming articles and news. Recent highlights from this past week include a rather surprising and wonderful interview. Um, GM Lance brought us this fantastic interview uh, with Scott Reschke, uh, who's the CEO of Strength in Numbers. And he's the lead designer for uh, Tuabor, uh, which some of you may on, maybe online have heard about this. It's this multi-genre PvP, PvE video game set in like this dystopian future. Um, this incredibly like like everything if in the gaming community, people are really talking about this. It's going to be like the next thing. Um, and wonderful interview um, of Scott Reschke uh, by GM Lance talking about his company and this incredibly awaited forthcoming title. Great read. Wonderful article, Lance. Thank you for, for making that happen. 
Um, also, our very own editor-in-chief this past week, Wayne Basta, was inspired by a recent episode of Order 66 and a recent SWRPG Adventure of the Week that we covered. Do you guys remember the one where, uh, you know, uh, CNR Fleet Systems is sponsoring a, a Starfighter race? You know, and wouldn't it be a shame if, an, if, a, if a Rebel A-Wing won it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wrote up this great article, uh, Rules Lawyer, Starfighter Race, uh, to deal, detail out how a GM could run that. Uh, great stuff, Wayne. So thank you. That's pretty cool. Yes. And of course, guys, the social media plug, obligatory. Stay in the know by following D20 Radio on the Facebooks for news and podcast info on a daily basis. We have one hell of a social media community. Um, you can, of course, also follow us on Twitter, uh, at GM Chris, at GM Phil, uh, at GM Dave, and at Darth GM. Um, all of which are retweeted by at D20 Radio, so you can just follow at D20 Radio if you want. We post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. And now I think it's time to check in with SWRPG Adventures, speaking of the aforementioned article by Wayne Basta, and the most Again. informative 140 characters or less on the internet with a new SWRPG Adventure of the Week. Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. A Star Destroyer infested with Minox is in dry dock being fumigated. While its thousands of crewmen are on shore leave, can the PCs abscond with the ship? This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures. For more adventure ideas in 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring! And it's time to pull back the curtain for the chat room. What? They're saying, again? Yes, it's because we had a misfire earlier. <laughs> and it played when it shouldn't have played. Yeah. And so we had to... But, but I worked hard. I worked hard right to edit that out so that our podcast listeners wouldn't have to be privy to it. And now you just bring it up again. It's okay. It's it's really okay because <laughs> you know. I mean, they know. They know we mess up. It's time there. Time. It's there. It's there. Okay, I got to say, I'm a huge, huge fan of um, of that particular segment. The idea of of you know like. Like uh, like a a star destroyer is being being you know exterminated or fumigated, and can we steal it while the crew's away? There was yeah, an there was an old episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation where like this like the Enterprise was having to go through some futuristic procedure very similar to that, and Picard like forgot his riding saddle because he was going to take shore leave and go horseback riding, and so he went back on the ship to get his saddle. But it turns out there was this crew of villains that had snuck on board and were using this like identical opportunity to steal the Enterprise. And he had and he had to stop them. Do you guys remember this? No. Yes, I do. Dude, I think I missed it. Dude, this could be that could be that could be epic. All right, except just flip it around. You have like one imperial officer on the ship. You know what I mean? And there's these clouds of poisonous gas moving through the ship as the fumigation's happening, so nobody can get off, and they're having to you know you know what I mean. You're having to constantly maneuver around the ship. It, it could, GM is basically playing Picard. Yeah, it, it, it as, as I'm saying, it could be very epic. That cool. I like it. All right. Well, do you guys want to get into our meat of the show? 
I believe so, yes. All right, well, let's do it. Phil, what are we calling this uh, episode? This meat. I believe today the title is Sabersmithing 101. Ah, yes. Because tonight, we, very appropriately, uh, for our 66th episode, uh, we're going to do it some justice with a return to one of our brand new Meat of the Show segments, The Will of the Force, which is devoted to all things Forcey and Jedi and lightsaber-ish. Uh, back in episode 63, we kicked off this new segment with a look at lightsaber combat, uh, both mechanically and from a GM fluff perspective. Tonight, we're going to branch off on that discussion with a really good request by Durian Keldrona and Blue Leader. Lightsaber construction. Because finally, we, we have concrete rules in the system for actually crafting your own lightsabers. <laughs> um, and... It's, in true FFG style, both simple and enjoyably robust. (laughs) Uh, So tonight we're going to dig into just how characters go about crafting lightsabers in this system, along with tips and ideas to do it right. So focus your meditations and prepare to insert your crystals, Padawans, because it's Sabersmithing 101 tonight on the Will of the Force and the Order 66 podcast. May the Force be with you. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. You must feel the Force around you. The Force will be with you, always. I need to call it an audible because but it's, damn, it's, the Star Wars saga gives us some gorgeous music. Doesn't it? And do you recognize that tune? I uh, I don't, but it's gotten give me goosebumps up and down my arms, man. That is from The Force Unleashed. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Yes, Jesse Harlan. Phenomenal score. Phenomenal score. Um, was so it just, wait, right. wait, was that Jesse Harlan who did that one? Um, No, I think Jesse... I know he did the opening score for it. Jesse did, did Republic Commando. He did Republic Commando. He did. Um, he also did Kotor, not Kotor, uh, Swotor. Yeah, he Old did. Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think he just did. I want to say he only did the opening score for Force Unleashed, and the maybe, rest of it was maybe, done by somebody else. Maybe I, I don't know. I'll have, I'll have to look. I'll look. I'll look. Well, Phil, buddy, uh, it's cracking up in chat. The, uh, it was Clone Commander 3113 is saying, Oh my God, strong is the Force with Order 66. Gasp. I've been waiting on this episode. My PCs are building lightsabers in our next session. Um, so, dude. The Force has taught me that there is no such thing as coincidence, Clone Commando. <laughs> <laughs> well, Philbert, so, this, this meat was your baby, man. Um, I mean, you 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 took this one by the horns and ran with it, so... Dude, guide us through this, man. What are we what are we getting into tonight? Uh tonight we are going to get into a nice consolidation and overview of some information that comes in two separate books. Uh most of the rules that we're talking about tonight are going to be coming from actually not most, about 
almost even half. Half of them are going to be coming from the core Force and Destiny rulebook, and the other half are going to be coming from this glorious two pages of awesomeness that was included in the Game Master's kit. Um, we're going to talk about building your lightsaber in the Force and Destiny system, going about gathering the parts, putting it together, some tips and tricks that you guys will need to determine what happens when you make die rolls, how you make die rolls, and how the die rolls are effective, and most importantly, how you can overcome some of these really potentially crippling difficulty checks to modify your sabers and not crack the crystal in the process. It's a good thing. Um, it's a very good thing. And I think the first thing that we need to do is do a little bit of back history. Uh, the game is over three years old now, and we've had actually lightsabers from the beginning. Uh, the lightsabers in Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion were these monstrous weapons. Unfortunately, they were curbed by the fact that there really wasn't a formal skill to use them. Uh, base 10 damage, crit 1, ignored 10 points of armor, uh, 10 points of soak, rather. It, it, devastating weapons. They toned it down a bit when they released Force and Destiny, and basically what they did is they not really a retcon because we hadn't seen the whole picture in the first place. Uh, the lightsabers that we saw in Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion were the fully tricked out, crystalled yeah. versions yeah. of the swords that you find in Force and Destiny. Which I thought was a very good balancing point. Well, it's almost like when you introduce them in Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion, they're godlike. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're that powerful. Yeah, they're almost mythical. Uh-huh. They are magic swords, basically. <clears throat> these rules in Force of Destiny allowed us to to start making those. And they give us a few more options, too, which is really nice. Okay, well, Phil, before we start talking about how to actually make these things, because I know we're going to get sure. into it, as a GM, my my question, and the one thing that is is not really concretely covered, either in the GM's kit um, or in the Force and Destiny core rulebook, for, uh, uh, is when should you allow players to start making lightsabers i mean in prior editions prior systems there was like concrete guidelines i mean in in saga edition it was i think it was level seven it was like oh you're level seven now you can make your own lightsaber um right right i mean and that was that was like that was it you know and uh it's obviously ffg system is nothing if not more narrative so how how do we how do we come how do we handle this a lot of it's left up to the gm's discussion and and the gm's interactions with the players to find out when they want to make their sabers. Now, a lot of players, especially the ones who start with um, who start with uh, lightsaber careers, uh, sorry, lightsaber specs, they're going to want to make their sabers as quickly as possible, or at least <laughs> find some crystal, because the likelihood of them starting with even a training saber is actually pretty high. So they'll want to start finding it right off the bat. And I've noticed that a lot of the adventures that have come out of the Fantasy Flight games, both uh, the original one in the beta and can't remember whether it's the one that's also in the, the core rulebook here, but the, definitely the one in the GM's kit talks about uh, players finding their crystals so that they can make their sabers. So really, the two things that you need to be able to start making lightsabers is you need to have a... You really need to have some idea how to make the damn thing, and you need to have, be able to get the crystal that you need to do so. Without either of those, it's really up to the GM to introduce those, uh, those, uh, those items throughout the progress of the campaign to determine, okay, now you guys can start making them. Um, now, obviously, if you start with a night-level game, yeah, 150 uh, XP, you can start with a saber. You've already gone out and done that. I think 150 is a, it was a little way too late. 
I would say that possibly the best time to start thinking about giving the PCs the opportunity to build their sabers is probably after 50 to 80 earned XP. You've got two or three sessions under your belt. You've probably spent some of those sessions trying to find the data that you need to be able to make the saber. You may have had a focused quest to go off and find a crystal or, or had an opportunity to obtain a crystal. I think 50 to 80 to start putting together your saber is probably a good point. Definitely buy 100 XP. Especially if you've if you got a PC who's playing one of the lightsaber classes. Because if they don't have a saber, a lot of their their tricks are, are, are somewhat nerfed when it comes to using them against yeah. uh, nemeses or, uh, or, or even rivals. Dave, if you were going to play a lightsaber-wielding Jedi character and I made you go more than four or five sessions without ha- actually getting a lightsaber, I don't think you would like that very much. No. In fact, if you made me go more than one session without it, I'd be starting to get pissed off. No. <laughs> no. You've got to build into it, right? So you've got to have buy-in from the player, and I think that's a discussion you have to have beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is true. And the other thing, too, I love is they keep it so narrative. It's like, they, they pretty well, and we'll talk about this, but they pretty much say, look, your players can't attempt to build a lightsaber unless they learn how to build a lightsaber. They've got to learn it from somebody, whether that be a holocron or a Jedi Master. Or it, you know, it's, it's something that has to be taught. You can't just figure yeah. it out. <laughs> And getting back to it, look how, far, how look how long it was before Luke got a saber. Yeah. Well, literally one, maybe a session. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it was like twelve minutes into the movie. Yeah. Shit. And it wasn't his. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. He was given. Maybe. Well, he got a training saber first. No, that was no, that was a real saber. was. This was your this was your father's lightsaber. On a security recording, I watched him murder thirty younglings with it. <laughs> I don't think he would have. I mean, I'm sure they're minions at that point, but I still think that he would have killed them with oh, a real saber. Right, I forgot it was that cheesy blue. See, I still think about that cheesy blue lightsaber being a training saber. No, nah. yeah, I get you. No, that was that was that was the saber Anakin murdered a bunch of children with. That was the one. Murdered. <laughs> Such a strong word. Mm. I prefer to think of it as a terrorist incident. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, from so, my yeah. point of view, the Jedi are terrorists. <laughs> Tangent. Sorry. 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 <sighs> Sorry. It's all right. Yeah. construction. And the Build women. And the children. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's cyclical. It all comes around. Uh, it's like a bad boomerang. Okay. <sighs> okay, so, okay, so... We, that, so that's fifty is a good baseline, but start them start them down the path somewhere around eighty to hundred. Well, one one I think one fifty is 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 the finish line. As in, if you don't have it by one fifty, then it's your pl- either then your players are going to murder you in their sleep, right? Or they came into it late. <laughs> they came into the whole discovery of the Force and the Jedi and sort of thing late. True. You know, they eventually want to be build sabers. That's after many adventures of learning that they're Force-sensitive, finding out about the Jedi, and then walking down that path, which can be a fun trek. But I would say for a Force and Destiny campaign where you've got Force users, especially ones who are, are taking sabers, uh, uh, saber specs, 150 is fin- the finish line if you haven't reached it by yet. Yeah. That's my judge. That's, that's, that's my judgment anyway. <laughs> okay, GM Scott in chat. They may murder me in my sleep. But not with lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Okay, so, so yes. let's get into construction. All right, cool. Um, the GM kit says to gather the parts that you need to be able to build your lightsaber. You need to get about 300 credits worth of parts, which is, ironically enough, the cost of a basic hilt. Or you can make an average streetwise check to scrounge parts for no monetary cost that's stated. Um, but they say that, like, if if you roll with, like, thread or whatever, or you have appropriate die results, it's reflected in how your saber looks. Right. You basically <laughs> took, like, a kitchen sink tube with some kind of... You have the elephant on- hand saber. Exactly. <laughs> it's got, like, an on-off switch from Radio Shack, and, and it's got no flash to it at all. Is it's, that a pipe just- bomb? No, it's my lightsaber. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, this will get you pulled off the plane at the TSA. I tell you what. <laughs> the lightsaber. No, it's not. You're a terrorist. Get in that room. Um, now, for other types of hilts, take a look at the chart on page 177 of Force and Destiny if you want to build, like, a, a lightsaber pike or a double-bladed saber and use those as the baselines for how much parts you're going to have to spend to go out and buy it. Um, I really like the average streetwise check to scrounge parts because it really reminds me of that chapter in Mike Stackpole's I, Jedi, where Corrin builds his lightsaber out of parts that he finds in a junkyard. Well, yeah, but that, that made like the most awesome lightsaber ever because it wasn't like the, the grip of the handle made out of like a, a swoop bike grip or speeder bike yep. handlebar grip. Yep. That's awesome. Yep, it had that crenellated diamond plating around the handle and, and all, found all sorts of other parts here and there. It was, that was awesome. Um, so many people ask, why do Shoto's cost the same as normal blades? Uh, simply because the electronics are similar, but the cost difference between something like a 20-centimeter pipe and a 30- or 40-centimeter pipe are effectively negligible. The 30 credits of cost is mostly for the electronics and, and that type of stuff you need. The pipe is a pipe, I mean. Shoto, Shoto. However big you make it is however big. Is, you know, it's, it's you know, the difference between two and three credits. It's, it's a drop in the bucket compared to stuff like the power cell and the focusing lens and that sort of thing. He built this lightsaber in a cave with a box of scraps! Um. <laughs> <laughs> that does fit rather well, doesn't it? It really does. Now, Phil, as you're talking about actually creating and crafting your lightsaber, you're referring to the GM skit, right? And you're talking about it. It's, it's in the, the adventure module, Hidden Depths, okay, on page yes. 23. People who don't have the GM's kit, they're not going to find hilt creation rules in the core rulebook. No, they're not. This is all in the GM's kit, page 23. And okay. to be fair, for $20, it's not bad. It's great. It gives GMs. It also gives GMs a, a tip on how to run night-level games, even if they don't start as night-level. Yeah, and uh, the adventure hidden depths is is rather solid. It is a good good adventure, and of course you get another GM's kit uh, that has, of course, the uh, the uh, uh, GM screen, which is phenomenal. I think the Force and Destiny one is my favorite. So, Same. conspiracy theory. Yeah. Oh. Did they leave it out of the book in purpose, so that way you had to buy the GM screen to get it, or what? Maybe. But lightsaber construction is very much a GM determined thing. So I have less of an issue with it. Yeah. All right, man. Let's go get some tacos. <laughs> <laughs> so assembling the hilt. Assembling um, the hilt. Now we're actually moving directly to GM's kit, page 23. Okay. Uh, because there are things that you can spend with the results of the dice. Uh, first of all, as we mentioned before, you have to have some reference to build this thing. 
you need a holocron or detailed instruction or similar guidance for you to make a uh, make this thing with only an average mechanics or a lore check. Uh, if you have a mentor, a, a either a Force ghost or a former Jedi, that's that's good enough too. Um, if you're winging it, the GM is well within their rights to set the difficulty at daunting or impossible, or even just not allow it in the first place. Yeah, uh, you you just don't have the knowledge to make it work. This isn't like wiring up a a, a light socket or 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 a uh, or a, or a light switch or or a, an outlet. This is mixing something that is mystical and ephemeral with very potent very potent uh, uh, electrical engineering yeah it if you takes... don't have guidance you, your gm's well within the right to just say no you can't try it absolutely absolutely i, I agree 110 percent um yeah now the build time i swear that somewhere it i read that the process takes 24 hours to do. But for the life of me, I could not find the page or the book that that number is referenced on. I don't feel bad. I couldn't either. It's not. I couldn't <laughs> find it in the GM kit. I couldn't find it in the core rule book. None of the sidebars. Nothing. But I, I do recall 24 hours as well. And considering what we're going to talk about in a bit, how the dice rolls can actually reduce the time it takes to craft it, there's got to be a baseline time. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm I, uh, Gamer Nation, if you can find it, let us know. We'll put it in the show notes on the website, um, either confirming or or refuting and telling us what the actual time frame is. But until we hear otherwise, I'm rolling with 24 hours as the construction time. I've uh, I've seen 24 hours. I've seen some GMs say it takes a long time, like days, like three days. Yeah. So, so um, and both those are supported by by the the the, uh, the the legends material in the eu but dave yeah. you you had a very important question that we actually t- talked about pre-show which was about whether you know and it really asks okay does it even matter how long it takes um because yeah because i mean back in the old day right when you still built your own lightsaber yeah you know throw it back to the old order 66 saga edition most of the time we role played that outside of the group Right, you know, because it took a while. It it wasn't always. It was it was it was a series of checks and a pretty significant amount of time to spend on one character when you've got six people at the table. This is not as bad. But even then, is this something you should do in session time? I don't know. I think Phil had a good choice, right? If if you guys are if you guys are making a trip and it's a good time to say, hey, if you guys want to get up and get a drink or whatever, we're going to be traveling for about four hours, and the Jedi's going to try and make his lightsaber. And it's a good time for some people to take a break while the Jedi tries to do this thing. You know? Yeah. Awesome. Not, if, you could do that. You know, sometimes some hyperspace trips can take two days or three days, depending on what type of ship you've got and what its hyperdrive rating is. Mm-hmm. That's, that's perfect downtime for a Jedi to try to assemble a lightsaber if they really need to. They're going into a situation, and they've got the parts, and their old saber's either broken, or they never had an old saber. They, they find their stuff, and they're like, okay, now it's off to fight the big, bad, evil guy. Um, Jedi Padawan, you want to go into the cargo hold and meditate for a day? <laughs> we'll fly here, and we'll, we'll, we'll prep other things while you're trying to get your saber ready. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other thing I've seen some confusion on on the forums um, is when it talks about construction time, specifically the hilt, 
Um, there's a lightsaber hilt sidebar on page 177 of Force and Destiny, core rulebook. Yeah. Um, it talks about assembling the hilt, uh, which after spending the credits, and I, I, I quote, um, is it, simply a matter of spending a few hours putting the materials together to build the hilt. No checks are necessary. So there are people in the forums that are saying, okay, so it should take just a few hours to build a lightsaber. It should be clear, based on the no checks remark, that they're they're simply referring to gathering up and organizing your hilt materials. <laughs> because there are checks needed to build the lightsaber. That's kind of the point. Yes. Um so I've 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 had to argue with people about that, but it but anyway, it's 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 yeah. So okay. Or alternately, if the GM wants to use that, doesn't want to use these rules and wants to go with that, do it that way. And you build the basic hilt. No flash, no no bonus stuff, no reduced time. It's it's just the hilt. It is what it is, and you can go. Um, these rules here that's presented in the GM's kit can offer a bevy of bonuses and and uh, potential positive results thanks to the die check. And I think depending on the PC, depending on the character, it is well within their interests to to use these construction rules to try to make the hilt what they want to, how they want to. Okay. Well, what kind of check do you have to make? Well, assuming that you've got the guidance that we talked about before, it is an average mechanics or lore check to, to make this with no extra difficulty, unless the GM really wants to spend a destiny point. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. Even for someone who might not be trained in mechanics, uh, you have to figure that a Jedi, depending on their background, probably has, or at least a force and destiny character, probably has access to at least one of those two skills. Yeah. So, and, and that's also another reason where if uh, someone knows that they're going to be making a lightsaber down the road, it gives them time to bump up that skill, either to get access to it in some way or just put some points into it where they didn't have points into it before. Fair enough. Okay. Now, if you succeed at the roll, you score one success and you've made your lightsaber hilt. With every additional success, reducing the time it takes to make that hilt by four hours to a minimum of four hours. This is another reason I'm almost certain the time to build is 24 hours. Mm. That means with five potential five successes, you can get that down to its minimum. Mm. That's what I'm thinking too, right? And this is all on 177 core rulebook. No, actually, this is uh, 23. This is 23 of the GM screen. Of the GM kit, yeah. Now, what happens if you fail? (laughs) The process fails, and the hilt is not constructed. Now, threats during a failure could mean that some components are ruined in the attempt. Um, one possible suggestion, this isn't in the book, this is just from me, uh, is that each threat represents 25 or 50 credits worth of components being ruined. Fair. Um, other than that, advantage, threat, triumph, and despair, the book lays out, uh, the GM's kit lays out all the options for other die results pretty clearly. Um, affecting the cost of the final product, the look, the time it takes to build, and even granting or losing hard points. That is the most awesome reason to re- keep tinkering and rebuild your saber. Because you better believe, if I get if <laughs> if I get more ranks in lore or mechanics, you know what, guys? I'm going to rebuild my saber and hope to God I get more hard points. Mm-hmm. And uh. it's not a one for If you luck out and you roll two or three triumph... Oh. You'll get two or three more hard points. Oh. You'll have, you have so many hard points, you can't use them all yet. Now that we're going through this, it makes the concept of, a, of, the, of the Jedi artisan, all right, 
um oh god what 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 career is the artisan in um sentinel, sentinel. sentinel. The, the sentinel's artisan so much more compelling mm-hmm. it's like oh god i want to make a like because you know he, he's so good at mechanics and lore for that matter and it's like, oh gosh, you could just make such an awesome lightsaber build check. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking forward to our future discussion about the artisan and referencing back to this, especially for their ability to just knock that knock the difficulty check down by degrees for a cost of strain. Hmm. They make things like making the hilt and modifying the crystals later on so much easier. <sighs> but yeah. Advantage, threat, triumph, despair. Um, now, despair actually can remove hard points. So maybe it is up to the GM to throw in a destiny point against the PCs when they make their lightsaber just to make things interesting. Uh, uh, Dono, oh, Dono found it. Dono found it. And I knew it was three days. Oh, he did? Uh, all right. Page 23 of the GM's kit. Second column. End of the second paragraph. Uh, okay. Right there. I knew it. I knew it. Thank you, Dono. Saving that. Um, Assembling the hilt requires three days of careful concentration and assembly. So, successes gets it down to four hours? No, no. Each success can reduce it by... um, By four hours. By four hours. Yeah, to a minimum of... You're talking 72 down to four? If you get get enough successes... (laughs) <laughs> some dude with a there. some dude with a six intellect. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, that that the likelihood of them being able to reduce it to a minimum that minimum time frame highly unlikely. Yeah, yeah. but it's there, so it is what it is. All right, there you go, Gamer Nation. Seventy-two hours to build a lightsaber. Boom! There, I knew I'd read it somewhere. Okay, Budimente. All right, so you get eighteen successes. <laughs> yes, can build it in four hours. That's right. I think as a, I think I think as a GM got 18 successes. I think as a GM I would allow my players to do it in 24 hours. I'm just saying. Yeah, I am too. And now that <laughs> now that we're saying guys, you know what? Go. And go with the day. Yeah, just go with 24. <laughs> that's the other thing that's that now that I'm thinking about it, failure with a despair, complete loss. Yeah, startle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and they mentioned it in chat. I was about to bring it up, too. When you said mechanics check, you get to lower the mechanics check by two. Yep. When you're working on your own saber. We're getting there. Not the initial, but I think when yeah. you're working and when you're modding your own. Yeah, we're getting, we're there. getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, but, no, I, I think, yeah, if I, was, if I was doing this and you failed with a despair, you cracked your crystal, buddy. I mean, it's, it's not just you've ruined the hilt. For me, you've ruined the crystal. Well, no, because you haven't installed the crystal yet. Oh, yeah. This is just okay. making the basic hilt. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Making the basic hilt. There are many ways to crack the crystal later on. You don't have to worry about that. The PCs will be running that risk just fine. Thank you. Okay, so, yeah, this is all just <laughs> constructing. Just dragon pearl. Like... <gasps> oh, <Yeah>. God. <laughs> okay, so this is all just constructing the hilt, all right? Right and, right. and and again, the GM's kit lays it all out. Uh, you know, advanced threat, triumph, despair, what happens, concretely rules as written. Of course, you can embellish as you will. Um, but all affecting the cost of the final product and with triumphs even granting or with despairs losing hard points. Right. Okay. Right. To unfortunately, to a minimum of two. Okay. To a, to a minimum of two. That's right. It does say that. So no matter how badly you mess it up, you're always going to have two hard points in the, um, in the, the, uh, 
the in the, in the hilt. All right. Because yeah, okay. So that's right. This has all been building the hilt. We haven't even talked about this. Is just that three like by raw three day process to build the hilt, and then once that's done and it's constructed, then what? Then you have the crystal, and the crystal goes right into that perfectly calibrated and balanced heart of your lightsaber. Now, this is interesting, because this differs from some previous systems, where you're building it all in one go. This is very much, the 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 crystal is treated as an attachment. Yes. It's not like other attachments, but it's an attachment. Yeah. So once you've got your hilt done, and it's solidified, and it's got all its hard points and everything else... Only then the crystals added in like any attachment would be, and it takes up hard point. It's really elegant how they designed it, really. Yeah. How it all fit together. Um, so, since the last game, uh, Saga Edition, and with Fantasy Flight Games and their edition, there have been some changes to canon. And there's actually been some clarifications to canon, thanks to the Clone Wars and, and Rebels and a few other things. Yeah. StarWars.com is actually where this is all coming from. All the crystals that are out there are some derivative of the Kyber Crystal family. That being everything from Krat Dragon Pearls to Elam Crystals to Adegan Crystals. They're all from this Kyber Crystal genus or whatever, whatever the, I, I the lo- geological term is. I love the new canon for Krat Dragon Pearls. Because <laughs> mm. it makes so much sense. It does. It's like it's like it's like it's because it makes it like like, there's this one kind of crystal and it's the only thing you can use in a lightsaber. But wait, wait, wait! There's all these different kind of lightsaber crystals. Well, yeah, it's because this one core crystal, when exposed, like any crystal, when exposed to different elements or minerals in its growth, can change slightly, right? Right. And I I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the the new canon for the crate dragon pearl is the idea is crate dragons, like a lot of reptiles, have gizzards, right? So they have yep. to they have to eat rocks in order to help digest their food, and if they yep. happen to eat a rock that has a kyber crystal in it, that crystal will wear down into this pearl in their gizzard. Yep, and it takes decades to do. Yeah, so that's why the only the biggest and nastiest crate dragons have these crate dragon pearls in them. Dude, and I think that's that's actually that's beautiful. I love it. Which also means, as an interesting side note, that there are a Deegan, that there are Kyber crystals lying around in various points on Tatooine. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's the crystals themselves. And then when you talk, start talking about the blade color, they've changed the blade color from being the the uh, a a effect of the crystal to the effect of the attunement. This is interestingly strange. I don't know if I like this, but go on. The color of the, the color of the blade is effectively colorless, white until it's first attuned. You know, it's it's basically a prism. Any you know any number you shine light through it, it'll split the split split the spectrum. Only once it's attuned is the lightsaber crystal given its color. Uh, some shade between vibrant green to royal blue for Jedi traditionally. Okay, well, how did Mace get his purple? Uh, it actually talks about that, uh, where some Jedi, just in the way that they attune the crystal, the effect that they have on attuning the crystal can sometimes change the color to something that's kind of non-standard, something other than green to blue. Um, if you had a, if you had a player who wanted, to, and here's my judgment call on this: if you have a player who wants to have a different saber color other than green to blue, especially for this Force and Destiny system. I'd especially allow it. I kind of think that the whole green to blue spectrum thing is kind of a 
tradition and a lineage of the Jedi where, oh, it's always been done this way before. So you, you, as you turn the crystal, think about what shade reflects your own, your, your, your own tastes. And especially when you start talking about the era before leading up to the, uh, the prequel trilogy, there's a lot of Jedi with blue to green blades, but there's almost no Jedi with anything other than of different color. Um, again, we're talk- at this point, we're talking about legends, but I would say that if a player wants a color of their lightsaber that's different from blue to green, I wouldn't necessarily say allow make them roll for it. I wouldn't necessarily say you know make them jump through hoops. It's their character. PCs are the natural exception. We have PCs playing Chiss, for crying out loud. Yeah, we do. It's it's an exception. If you really want to say, well, let's let's put a random element into it. Pick up one proficiency die, roll it. If they roll a triumph, they can pick something other than green or blue. Mm. That's that that's my call. Other than that, my 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 personal stance, let them choose it. What do you think, Dave? I don't know. I haven't really given it a whole lot of thought. I I like the I like the choice aspect because obviously the players are going to do what they're going to do, but I I get the feeling that episode 7 is going to show us a bunch of different colors of lightsabers that we've never seen before and the yellow is going to make a, a appearance. Hmm. Nah, I that think could we're, be I th- cool. I don't know. I think we're going to see blue and red. I think that's all we're going to see for 7. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe later on. I don't know because like the, the the old lore was that you had to find the crystal in that color and like that was how Windu got his and like even in the old lore I don't know if this new canon explains where red lightsaber crystals come from because in the old canon it was like they pretty much had to be artificially created and that was like one of the to get that color and the Sith were very proud of that fact yeah because it represented your control over the situation it could be at that point that the red lightsaber blade is a reflection of you being dark side that when you attune a crystal and you have that much dark side in you your morality is below 30 as it were that the force the dark side of the force taints that attunement and makes the blade red maybe it's an explanation you know and the idea that and the idea of because okay canon is star wars rebels ahsoka's new blades are white all right yep so are they yep. unattuned, or is it one of those things that now she's a... The, in the most recent episode, she made some comment uh, to Kanan. Uh, she said, like, you're, you're more of a Jedi than I am. Yeah. Um, the, the fluff about Ahsoka now, I can't remember whether it's on StarWars.com or whether it was in an interview with Dave Filoni. He talks about how Ahsoka is not a Jedi. She has made new lightsabers, and the reason why her blades are practically white is because she is not a Jedi. She yeah. no longer follows the Jedi. So maybe it is that the Jedi edict, the Jedi mentality makes their blades blue to, blue to green. And that could be it. That's what I'm thinking. It's like if, if white means unattuned, it's like gray. It's, it's following a neutral path. You know what I mean? Right, right. Hmm. So where's the uh, color thing that you were mentioning before? Where's that mentioned in the rules? That the blade is blue to green? Yeah. Um... Oh, it's it's not in the rules. It's from um, it's from StarWars.com. Yeah, it's on StarWars.com. If you look up Kyber shard, uh, Kyber crystals or Kyber shards on StarWars.com, it talks about Jedi attuning their blades, and when they when they attune the crystal, the crystal the crystal blade generates a blue to green shade. 
doesn't talk about any other color at all. I think it's just in passing mentions that some Jedi are able to attune different colors, like Mace Windu. Yeah, and the rules for this system, they don't have any concrete rules around your color. Yeah, no, I haven't like found that. It. I didn't find yeah. any, so I was, no, I was, uh, I was losing my way a little bit, thinking about where is the, where did I miss this in the rules nope. about rolling a triangle? No, or whatever. no, you, like, no, that's that's our suggestion. Yeah, yeah. Officially, there are no rules in the game as far as what color your your lightsaber crystal is. I think that's up to a discussion between the GM and the player. Yeah, I mean, like my group, man. Unless unless we're doing like a really strict campaign, I'll be I'll make your we'll make your saber any color you want. You know what I mean? It's that's kind of that's kind of my my thing because you guys are exceptions. You're the PCs. It's like you were saying, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, as of right now, the only thing we've got to choose from is yellow, red. I mean, I'm sorry, we've got blue, green, red, white. That's it. In canon. arguably purple. Arguably yeah. Oh, purple. purple. Yeah, yeah, we've Windy. got a purple. Yeah, yeah in, in canon. In canon, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Mm. I don't know. There was there was yellow in Clone Wars. That's canon. That's true. There was uh, the temple, the Jedi Temple Guards. Yep, I forgot about them. Oh, that's why I saw the yellow. I knew I'd seen the yellow somewhere. Yeah. So it's and then is so is uh, is the Force Unleashed considered canon? Not anymore. No, not anymore. It's Legends. Yeah. Okay. So no, no black. <laughs> no, uh, but dark saber's black. Yeah, the dark saber from Clone Wars is is black. Yeah. But they argue that that's an a an ultimate exception. That it's a, the, the that blade is so old that back then that was the tech and attunement that they that they would say I would say that if a G, if a player wants to get a black bladed glowing saber first smack them upside the head and then if they still want it then then that's something that they're <laughs> going to have to go and research and you know hire an archaeologist to to delve into some Sith temples to try to find a way to make that fair okay so. When you attune the crystal and you go through the process, you're determining the color at that point, at least according to the non-raw, because the raw doesn't mention it at all, nope. um, but just in terms of the new canon, it's there. In terms of the raw itself and actually installing this crystal as an attachment, we got this Kyra crystal in some type, right? And you've, yep. you, know, you, you attune it, all right? Um, and you install it. So what? You just put it into the hilt. It takes it occupies two hard points, right? That's right. And that's every crystal is two hard points? Every crystal is two hard points. All right, and you don't need to make a roll. No, it's because it's an attachment. You make the hilt; it's already tuned, it's already balanced. You put the shard in, powers up. The, as long as you succeeded in the creation of that lightsaber hilt, powers up, and congratulations, you now have a working real lightsaber. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Now, why, why would I go through the headache of a check and everything else to mod, to excuse me, to craft my own lightsaber? Okay. Aside from the fact that if I roll really well, I might get extra hard points. But if I roll really crappy, I might get less. Okay. Why would I go through the hassle of that if I'm if I'm going to spend three hundred credits anyway? Why would I just drop three hundred credits and buy a pre-made uh, hilt? Because by making the hilt yourself, you get certain benefits. Okay. Um. Where is it? My notes go. All right. Oh, all right. Owned lightsaber hilt. Uh, if you are modifying your own lightsaber, the difficulty of the mechanics check to modify that the modify any crystal on it is decreased by two to a minimum of simple, which is zero difficulty dice. Wow, which is zero difficulty dice. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, don't you also and get don't you also get a free mod? Th- yes, that's if you harvest your own crystal. Ah. 
if you harvest the crystal yourself and um no 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 that's you're right you're right you're right that 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 is the other benefit of making your own hilt by making your own hilt when you install the first attachment of which the crystal is an attachment you get to choose one free uh, you get to choose one free mod that's awesome that is very awesome because it can really modify things it can really uh, you know, change things up so that your basic saber is no longer a basic saber. It's now slightly different from another PC in the party who's making their own. Maybe yours deals more damage and there's a lower crit rating. Yes. That's why I love these all these different crystals because they're so cool. And all the different mods for them. I love that. Okay, so, so to recap, the reason I really want to make my own hilt, if I can, as opposed to just buying one outright, is one, if I roll triumphs, the opportunity of getting more hard points. Yep. Two, I get a free mod to the crystal when I install it, okay, yep. because I customize this hilt, and I know how all its intricacies perfectly. And any other mods I do on that lightsaber that I built, that I own, whether I whether they're, they're crystal mods or whether they're mods to other attachments, I get to reduce the difficulty of modding by two. Yes. Good God, I'm going to build my own lightsaber, brother. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. you don't have to build your own to get that benefit. Well, okay, at least the way I let, read it. Now right. let's, it, it let's. has to be your. It has to be considered your own saber. So let's yeah. talk about that because this is important. Yeah. That 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 minus two difficulty is an owned saber. So what right. does that mean? What does that mean to be owned? What constitutes your own lightsaber? I would say that let's go with the shining example of Luke Skywalker. I would say that Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, when he first gets it in A New Hope, is not considered his own saber yet. I would say it's probably not considered his own saber until the opening moments, you know, by the opening moments of uh, of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Probably, yeah. Only after long, only after repeated use, practice use with it, feeling out its the hilts. Uh, qualities and quirks and and getting familiar with it and how it's used and how it's balanced only after time is spent practicing with that can something be considered your own it's not just a matter of possession it's a matter of familiarity okay and of course if you make it yourself it's your own from the start that's how i do it i i'm sorry like the book says it's really kind of up between you and the gm i mean in my games if that lightsaber is going to be yours, you need to have crafted it or at least modded it. That's just my opinion. But there is a certain amount of legacy to things, too. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that. The, line, if, you know, if, the, the whole lineage thing. Yeah, if I've used it, if I've used it for a while, then it becomes mine, you know. But the advantage of, the advantage of um, you know, in game time, you could be talking next session or you could be talking next year. Yeah depending on how long the GM goes, you know? Right. But then again, I think that's a discussion with the GM and the player, right? If you build your own, you get the advantage immediately, right? Mm -hmm. And otherwise it's a, it's a discussion. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to have you use this saber for two sessions until you can call it your own to get the benefit of the mechanics reduction. Right. Right. Okay. So, that's a you know you make it yourself. It's ready to go. It's your own. You get the reduction right off the bat. You find it, inherit it, whatnot, steal it from a foe. It's not yours until you and the GM make a determination that okay, now this is considered your own saber. Okay. And I really like this mechanic. It really benefits the PC to 
stick with it and stick with modding their own thing instead of just handing it off to the mechanic of the party, you know? Okay. Right. The person with the eight intellect and the three ranks of mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Which, and they'll probably make the check anyway, but, you know. Well, right. I, think, I think that's one of the reasons you can do a lot more crazy stuff with attachments and mods for lightsabers than you can for, you know, blaster pistols. Yeah. Of course, who knows what's going to come with special modifications, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. I mean, you, I mean, you see all the different modifications, like, for example, I don't know, like a dual phase. Well, never mind. The drag eye gem. Yep. How many freaking uh, modification options are there? Holy crap. Well, actually, uh, funny you should mention that, Dave. <laughs> um, because the drag eye crystal has five mods, and starting at a hard check with the first mod, you're only going to be able to get two of those before you're rolling all five dice. Well, unless you're reducing it by two when it's an own lightsaber. And that's the thing. But, and that's the thing. But there's another way, another benefit that Force users have when they're modifying a lightsaber crystal that yes. others do not. And that is that they get to add their Force rating dice to the check. And any any pips, positive pips generated... Um, uh, add uh, add successes or advantages to the check, and that's that's wicked awesome. Ah, force intuition. Mm-hmm. Force mm. intuition, and I I really like that because it's really encouraging your PC to sort of curb themselves on 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 modifying out a saber if they know that they can add in their force dice as automatic, regardless of whether or not you will roll light side or dark side, it's automatic successes or advantages if you're willing to spend the destiny point and if you're willing to take the, the conflict hit. Yeah, yeah. It's automatic successes. Because if you fail this mod check, you can't install that mod uh, ever again. Yeah. It might not be that big a deal if you fail a mod check and try to give an Ilum crystal plus one damage, but if you're going for... Uh, like the Dragite's concussive mod, or 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 uh, the Barab Ingots um, plus burn mod, or the um, which other crystal is it? The uh, oh god, where is it? Oh, these like the Sapith crystals breach plus one breach mod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These one and only one shot mods. If you fail that check, you can't do that mod again. So being able to say, you know, if I wait a session or two, I'll have force rating two. That'll give me another success or another advantage or, or another two successes, maybe even, that will help ensure that this role will get me that mod. Yeah. Okay. Or if you really want breach, just get a drag guy. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so the, the core rule book gives us some beautiful crystals to play with. Some absolutely beautiful crystals to play with. Um, we're not going to go into all of them, all the details, because that would just take too long. That'd be boring as hell. But we did want to highlight some of the crystals that you can get and what their big shtick is. Um, highlighting the main detail, as well as how many possible modifications each crystal can take. Um, the the one that absolutely the one that absolutely calls out to me is just too fun is the Barab ingot. It's found exclusively on Barab 1, and it's the only lightsaber crystal that deals burn damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just mean. 
I'm I'm going to hit you with a lightsaber, and then I'm going to set you on fire for two more rounds at base eight damage, or however much damage you got the damage up to. Burn, baby, burn. Now, as a neat balance point, the Barab Ingot only has four possible mods. Only four. Only four. Well, you know, considering that some of these have like five or seven mods or six mods, yeah, four is actually Elim- reasonable. The Elim- <laughs> uh, uh, And that's the, the neat thing is, is that they explain that the, the Barab Ingots are kyber crystals that have been exposed to the unique radiation of Barab 1. Yeah. And because of this, they get this special thermal quality and they're almost constantly glowing. Uh, and, and that's the difference between the basic Ilum crystal and all these other crystals. A lot of them have these unique, like, like Chris says, they're exposed to different environments. And because they're exposed to these different environments, they generate different effects. Um, it really also opens the door for all kinds of different concepts of lightsaber crystals. And I'm really curious what, uh, what FFG comes up with in the future. Yeah, God, I can't wait. What are some of the other crystals we've got, guys? Oh, so hold on a second. Before we get into crystals, GM Scott did the math. And six yellows with force rating three is possible to generate 18 successes. Thereby lowering your... I built a lightsaber in four hours. To four hours. (laughs) There's a problem. You don't get the force rating bonus by making the hilt. Oh, it's only for attending the check. Uh, it's the, the, only for, for, the, for, the, crystal. for the crystal. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I'm thinking boost dice. Is there not a talent that allows you to turn triumph into successes for... Um, Possibly. For mechanics maybe? or lore? For lore. For lore, that's right. There it is. So there you go. And if you got, if so you you got, could... if you got five ranks in lore, you could actually do that with only... Uh, really, only a couple yellows if you rolled all triumphs. Mm. It's doable. For the love of God. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, that's awesome. <sighs> so let's go back to episode four real quick and remember and see if maybe when we go through the new released ones, maybe maybe there's really a, a the Barab Ingut crystal and in there now and Panda Baba's arm comes off and he gets set on fire. That would really be cool. Woof. Woof. Okay, okay so sorry. Different crystals. Different crystals. Yes. After after the Barabingit, what else do we got? Because I remember, like, like I'm thinking, um, I I have very fond memories of KOTOR. Oh, wonderful memories. Uh, wonderful memories of playing Knights of the Old Republic, the original. And uh, there's the Dantari crystals, which you found on Dantooine um, mm-hmm. in, in the Kinrath eggs. Um, yes. So these are these are really great crystals for saber users with draw closer, hawkbat swoop, any other attack where you're rolling a force rating as a part of your lightsaber attack. Those are two examples. Now we know there's going to be more as more books come out, but the idea is that you can you can spend force points generated on that check to recover strain. That's what the uh, that's what the Tantari crystals do. So when God, you're recovering strain is key. God, especially if you're if you have a build that's heavy on parry and deflect. Mm-hmm. Um, you just want to be recovering that strain. So, and, and considering the parry and reflect builds are often going to be using uh, draw close or hawkbat swoop regularly, it's just you want to be going for that Dentari crystal. Um, what yeah. only sucks about it is it's th- only has three mods. <laughs> yeah, so that's the low bar. That's yeah. the, that's the low bar. But the benefit is just it, amazingly awesome. Um, mm-hmm. so so there you go. Um, so there's Dentari. What else after Dentari? 
Dude, I love the Dragite. I, I know I went to it immediately, but the Dragite is like really brittle. And so I might even throw that into account when they're trying to mod the thing. But it's already been worked into a crystal. So maybe the brittleness has kind of worked out of it by then. But I, I think this is this is a, a Kylo Ren's blade is a is a Dragite. Could be. Maybe. Because it's but all I mean, it's this, all like this, crackly and crap, you know. Well, that's exactly what it is, right? Because it is so it, it it pulses and it hums really loudly. And when it hits something, when it strikes a solid target, it creates like this crack and a shockwave that can even be disorienting or or causing bodily harm to its target. Okay, right. This is really really cool, right? So it 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 increases your damage to seven, and it also increase it, it also makes your crit rating a three. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a really weird thing. Is, is that this is the highest crit rating crystal out there? Yeah, yeah. So and you it, can't lower it. But all Not of a sudden, man. you know, you've got breach one, disorient one, and you can sunder. <laughs> well, yeah, but most of them do that. I think the big change is concussive. Oh yeah. The, well, yeah, you can. That that's one of the qualities, right? You can yeah. do concussive. Yep, disorienting and concussive. Yeah. Weird for a lightsaber crystal, but so fun. Oh yeah, that's right. Disorient, disorient is uncommon. Yeah, so this is almost like the I'm going to beat you to death as opposed yeah. to slice you up. <laughs> right? You can do plus one damage. You know. Anyway, it's like hmm. <laughs> I might not be able to pop my crit rating, but I will definitely be able to pop concussive on you. Yeah. yeah. It's also fourteen thousand credits. Not as much as a crate dragon pearl, but pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good God. Then we have the classic Ilum crystals. Yeah. Uh, these are your bread and butter crystals, found mostly on Ilum, but arguably the baseline crystal you're likely to find in the galaxy of any Jedi archive or in any basic hilt out there. Um, it has seven mods. Ah, there's something Bonus. to be said for the bread and butter, man. Yeah, four, four, and the the, the maxed out crystals are the ones that are, were in the the lightsaber hilts in Force and in uh, Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion. Base 10 damage, crit rating 1, vicious 3. Just Which means they have that base damage 6 the Ilum provides, and then they've added on those damage plus 1 mods. It's got, like, what, 4 of them? Right. Oh. Which means, arguably, if you fail one of those, you can just sort of be like, meh, oh well. I got another one. <laughs> Still. Still. Now, the Adventure Hidden Depths, which comes with the GM's kit, which is a really fun adventure, um, has the players looking for Rubat crystals, which, according to the adventure, state that they are the same as Ilum crystals. But the Jedi, when they found Ilum, they kind of stopped going to this planet that Hidden Depths takes place on yeah. because they're either, they, they, they think they said that they're either more powerful on Ilum or they're just maybe just plentiful and easier to find on Ilum as opposed to the hoops you have to jump through to find them on the planet that Hidden Depths takes place on. Um, Personally, I'd have the Rubat Crystals be slightly inferior to Ilum, possibly removing one of the damage mods or one of the vicious mods, since the narrative says the Jedi Order abandoned that location in favor of the vast crystal deposits on Ilum. But again, that's just me. Um, it, like I said, it could easily just be that the reason why the Jedi drifted away from that planet and went to Ilum instead is maybe they're just, e even though Ilum's farther off the beaten path, maybe they're just easier to harvest off Ilum. It could Less be. dangerous. It could be. It could be. I, I would go with that. That seems that seems yeah. fair to me. Right now, after the bread and butter, we have, of course, as we were talking about earlier, the crate dragon pearl, the Ferrari, uh, yes, the, the caviar and champagne. Oh, God, 
Yes, the Bugatti Veyron of lightsaber crystals. The uh, yes, <laughs> expensive, the, excessive, difficult to obtain. Yes, the Aston Martin. Yeah, the Aston Martin DB9. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just just ridiculous, excessive. But by God, if you can get your hands on one, um, and as we said earlier, they're harvested from the gizzards of of uh, very very old crate dragons on Tatooine, and the picture. We talked about this, if you guys recall. This is one of all of our favorite pieces of art from the book. On page right. 199 of The Force and Destiny, this full two-page spread of this this cr- dead crate dragon, this massive crate dragon. And our, our heroine is holding this tiny little pearl. Um, but their shtick is just stupid high base damage, is really what they get down to. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, have, they start with a base damage of nine and a crit rating of one. Huh. Right out of the gate. Out of the gate. No mods. I'm going to crit you pretty much every time with a base damage of 9, uh, which is 10. Guaranteed. Just just guaranteed. And, of course, Breach 1, Sunder, and Vicious 1. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> only 4 mods, but at that point, it only needs it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the f- 4 mods, and it's a damage plus 1, and then 3 more Vicious mods. And I'm like, do you need more than that? So, it's pretty impressive. I think definitely the best stat package. Yeah, yeah. Right out of, especially out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, it may not be the most expensive crystal, but it is I definitely it, the best I think stat. it is, isn't it? No, the Sapeth is more expensive. Oh, okay, okay. Just harder to get. Okay. And, and it makes sense because in the Sapeth's case, or at least in the uh, the Crat Dragon Pearl's case, there are Great, still crate dragons, dragons are out still there. around, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. You have to find the fossilized remains. <laughs> it's like, okay, go out and find a Stegosaurus uh, skeleton. <laughs> Maybe you'll find a crystal in there. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Wow. Okay, well, after um, the crate dragon pearls, what do we have next? Lordian gemstones? Yep. Mined millennia ago by force-sensitive Lordian slaves. Um, these are highly sought after for anyone who's building a tank or otherwise defensive build because these crystals grant the defensive quality to your lightsaber. Um, as a consequence, they also don't have a lot of modifications. They only have three potential mods for that. But it's the only crystal out there that grants defensive. So, something mm, to think about. There okay. you go. Okay. Then you've got the Mephite. These are interesting. They're kind of cool mm. because once you get them attuned, then a nearby force user that uses sense can pick up on it. Which can be good or bad. Good or bad, but yeah, it also increases your damage to eight, and you know the crit is two. But you know it's got a little bit better base damage. You know there are five mods on it. You know three damage mods, but it's 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 kind of a meh to me because you get you know you get the breach and sunder and all that stuff, and you get better damage. But I mean, when it comes time to fight another force user. Mm-mm. I like the potential of this crystal be, being for um, for a GM who's like, okay, you want to have a lightsaber? Here's your crystal. Yeah. Here's the crystal you find. Keep in mind that if there's a force user around, that they will sense it. Not necessarily immediately locate you, but they will know that something is around them. So be right. very careful. It, it's... If you have no other access to no other crystal, and this is the only one you have, it adds some very interesting uh, role-playing decision moments. Yeah. I mean, you can add another rank of Vicious. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not terrible, it's, but it's uh, 
I think it's got some very interesting role-playing conundrums that could come up with it. That's exactly, exactly. That's why I like it. That's interesting. And then, of course, we have the Sabbath uh, crystal, which we talked about earlier. Another, another one of the pearl type crystals. And, and yeah, man, you're right. It is the most expensive at eighteen grand. Um, uh, again, find the Stegosaurus. Yeah, it's like you find it. Find the fossilized remains of the Valise worms um, on the unknown regions <laughs> world of Lo- of Lohek. Um This is the only lightsaber crystal that can get up to breach two uh, through <laughs> through mods, basically. I mean, but you're you know you got you got a base damage seven, crit rating of two, breach one, sunder like you would expect. Um, but you've got, you know, you've got mods that can, it's the only one that can give you an extra breach plus one mod. And then you got some damage mods and critical reduction mods, but what would you ever need breach two for? Um, well, you never know when a TIE fighter is going to be flying low overhead. <laughs> I'm thinking you're able at that point, you're able to go after armored vehicles. Yeah. But like, but I mean, does anything have, I guess, armored vehicles. That's true. Yeah. I, I guess I'm thinking... Like, what's the armor of a of an ADAT or a, or of an ATST? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, an ATST, I, th- I think, is three. So you're really not going to be able to do anything to that. But some of the more lightly armored vehicles, um, like some some armored speeders, even some air speeders, they don't have a lot of um, they don't have a lot of armor. Yeah, ATSTs are are prone to damage from underneath. So, <laughs> right as we've learned. But yeah, it, you know, it, and it, they built that into Star Wars Battlefront. You do more damage if you can get underneath the ATAT, the Adam. Oh, yeah, cool. That's fantastic. But you're right. It's it's a very <laughs> niche. Cutting through the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can we have an extra long Star. blade, and we're going to go ahead and put that right down the middle. You know, if a player of mine went out and got a Sabbath crystal, and they had something that could carve up to breach two, I might put a few obstacles in the way. Like, oh, this thing is this this door is rated breach two, so you'd need you know it's a heavily armored door. Only something with breach you know breach two could could get through it. You know that that might be might be worthwhile. I mean, there's there's some fluff things out there, but the whole reason for having a breach two lightsaber is is kind of limited. Yeah. yeah. Other than just you know, style points. Truth. All right. Uh, and then, of course, the only final point worth mentioning is the training saber emitter. Um, it's worth mentioning because it takes up the same space as a crystal. Also, if you have a training saber, this means that you can just simply pull that emitter out and replace it with any of the above crystals that you find for a fully active and proper lightsaber. Word. Uh, finally, guys... Maybe you've rolled a couple triumphs. Maybe you've just got some space to burn. Um, there are other attachments that you can put on to lightsaber hilts. This is the fun stuff right here, man. Exactly. Uh, because, hey, there's a wide variety of hilts out there. Some of them have additional benefits in the form of attachments. And it's important to remind listeners that these mechanics, uh, non-crystal attachments, would only get the decreased difficulty benefit if you're modifying your own saber. Um, just like the Saber Construction, you do not get to roll fourth-rating dice for additional successes or advantages with these attachments. Now, fortunately, I think most of these attachments only have one modification, if any at all. Yeah. Um, so, quite simply, just being able to knock down that one mod to an easy check and then not having to worry about it is is kind of key. True. Yeah. And this is where we get into some of the more um, more esoteric hilts. I mean... You look at your basic lightsaber hilt, but then you you want something like Count Dooku, so you take the curved hilt mod. Uh, I 
gives you an auto advantage when facing one opponent with every lightsaber check. And can get the defensive mod as its one modification. And it takes up one hard point. Here it's only a thousand credits. Exactly. <laughs> and hey, you've, you've something to think about if you're if you know that you're going to be dealing with uh, uh, one uh, one melee opponent at a time, or if that's just your shtick. Yeah. Okay. Now we talked about dual phase a couple episodes back. Uh, yes. The dual phase modification is another one of the hilt modifications you can do. Dual phase means something different in this system and in new canon than it has meant in Legends. Okay? Mm-hmm. Used to be, dual phase meant dual crystals. You could put two crystals in your saber and switch between them. Right. Um, that is broke-tastic in this system. <laughs> Highly. Um, so, so what dual phase means in this system is a different interpretation of it, which I think, I think it was Darth Bane had a dual phase saber yep. of this, of this style, which is the idea that with a flick of a switch, you can change the, you can change the blade length. Well, Corrin's, uh, Corrin Horn's lightsaber did that too, where it yeah. had one blade at one length and another blade at the normal length where it switched to like twice as long, like a two meter blade, something ridiculous. Right. But the, the idea is, and this takes, this takes up two hard points, by the way, and there's no mods. This is, this is just a, this is a heavy duty, heavy duty thing, but it's like, it lets you get the drop on your opponent. All right. Or your opponents. But once they know that you can do that, you lose the benefit. So basically once per encounter, um, as an incidental, you can make an attack that ignores the target's melee defense because you've you've got the upper hand. You know you've caught him by surprise, which is kind of meh in some cases, and in other cases, it's absolutely astounding. It's if you're facing off against someone who's racked up the melee defense and they've got a melee defense of three or four or more. Yeah, it so. it can be useful. Is it worth two hard points? Mm. Possibly, depending on how many hard points you end up having. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If you roll the extras, I mean, if you it's quite literally, if you've got two hard points and nothing else is calling to you, something to think about. Yeah. Okay, Dave, so when you roll up your Wookiee Jedi, are you going to try and go for the extended hilt? Um, uh, maybe. I mean, I kind of like the whole idea of, you know, if you, if you uh, make it like a two-handed... Um, hilt you know list a, a a longer hilt right or bastard sword or whatever you want to call it right so yeah you get a bonus damage and i'm, I'm always a big fan of that it has an extra hard point <laughs> yeah i'm a huge fan of that why not i mean dude it's it's like 3800 credits but hey extra point of damage there you go nothing wrong with that dude what's the what's the mod option it's got one mod option yeah vicious oh god yeah so for some of those hilts or some of those crystals that don't get higher vicious rating, yeah, that it is nice. That's that, that's nice. I like that. Then of course, superior hilt customization, plus one damage and an auto advantage with every roll is well worth a single hard point. Yeah, but it's nothing wrong with that. Expensive, as always, five thousand credits. Oh god, it's a, that's expensive. Because gold plated uh, gold plated parts are hard to come by. <laughs> Uh, they're pricey. Uh, that guy is so expensive. <laughs> uh, hey, but you know, I don't know. Okay, so I think we've plumbed this well, and I, I think um, going through it all, Phil, buddy, yes, you are among the three of us a full-fledged, honest to goodness, Jedi robes wearing member of the Rebel Legion. 
that I am. And you've actually built your own lightsaber. Yes, I have. Um, can you go through? I mean, what it, what it, what it, what did that teach you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me start. Um, yeah, I did. I, I I made my own lightsaber. It's one of those meta things that I really wouldn't feel like a Jedi. I feel like I, I, I could justify the uh, the membership of the Jedi without having done so. Um, I can assure you that a lot of the above rules and consequences are very apt. Let's talk about LEDs. <laughs> I probably wasted about three weeks and $60 in LEDs as I would order one fail my wiring check with a threat and blow out a $20 LED. Order a new one and wait another week for the replacement to arrive. Rinse and repeat two more times <laughs> until I finally solder the thing correctly without Aww. ruining it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I can attest to failure with threat. Um, so, Let's just take let's take this meta one step further and say, okay, if I was going to make the lightsaber that I made in real life into this game, I would start out I would start out by statting the saber as such. It's a basic hilt, but it's about sixteen and a half inches long. So to me, that's an extended hilt attachment. For the crystal, I could go with a basic ilum, but one of the neat uh, side effects of the the sound card and light driver on that card is my blade actually pulses and it makes a very loud sound. So the Dragite crystal that we talked about before is appealing. Dude, yeah. Now I'm going to elect that the crystal is my first attachment and take the free concussive mod because gods, why not? <laughs> um, I attach the extended hilt and now I have a lightsaber that is base 8 damage, crit 3, breach 1, disorient 1, concussive 1, and sunder. Assuming I didn't roll a despair on the construction check, I have two hard points left over for superior health customization and anything else that comes in future books because <laughs> none of the other one points I want. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, and it's worth noting in chat, Dono was in there saying, hey, we're talking about the expense of superior health customization. He said, if your Jedi-to-be is part of the Rebel Alliance, you could use a contribution rank reward to get the parts for that superior hilt customization. There you go. There you go. Oh, and GM Scott, to answer your question, uh, the first time I didn't use resistor, the second time I did use a resistor, but I absolutely killed the soldering job and ruined it. <laughs> the third time, I had everything ready, and I was just I was just a, uh, I was just about to to get everything in line, and I accidentally crossed the wires and blew it out that way. I literally, like, I was lining up the wires, and I dropped one on the other, and I, for some reason, I was an idiot and had it still hooked up to the power supply, and it popped it, it just popped it completely by accident that way. So, <laughs> this is my first attempt at, at, at minor soldering work, so the fact that I actually eventually got it to work in the first place is, 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 is pleasing to me, even though it was a $60 lesson in wiring. Oh, God, that's, that's, so. that's pain. It hurts me. It hurts my heart. <laughs> yeah, oh. my wallet too. <laughs> God. Anyway, guys, this is lightsaber construction. We we've kind of gone through the basics, talked to you about kind of what to do. We've thrown in a lot of our own personal advice. If you do not have the GM's kit for Force and Destiny, this episode alone should be a reason for you to go and order it. It is worth the the twenty bucks. Okay. Um, you get a nice, beautiful GM screen. You get an amazing adventure to go with it. 
Um, and it's got wonderful rules in it, like lightsaber construction. It's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty absolutely amazing. Um, so, yeah. It's there. And it's solid and far out and right on and good stuff. Thank you, Phil, for spearheading that. I really wanted to tackle that discussion, and I'm glad we did. So am I. It was a good time. Good stuff. But now it is time for this. <laughs> Let me take that back, huh? Neil, find what you need. Market. <laughs> what do you know? Oh, welcome to Watto's Black Market, where the skeezy scoundrels of the Outer Rim territories can procure the weapons and gear to make a living on the edge of the Empire just a little more tolerable. But tonight's trip to Watto's is an unusual one. Um, How so? Well, brought to us by Darth Atreides. And Dave, do you want to relate uh, this fine gentleman's request? Well, I suppose I certainly can, you know, being a dude and all. So, this uh, may not be a non, there may be a non-traditional request for Watto's, but uh, as it in involves a skill and not a specific item, he says, in my party, I have an outlaw tech who I have been pushing to be a little more creative which I've tried to enable by having some sort of panel, computer terminal, or mechanical doodad for him to play with during combat to help out as a Wookiee berserker, a dual pistol-wielding smuggler, and a sniper assassin. <laughs> He's getting better at it. He recently used a pair of triumphs when hacking a TIE fighter that was chasing them in order to eject the pilot. Probably not raw, but way too awesome to say no. And yeah, I would say, hell yes, that's way too awesome <laughs> that's to say awesome. no. <laughs> Anyway, he just picked up the ability utility belt, which lets you spend a destiny point to pull out a small, non-restricted item of rarity four or less from your belt. Now I know you could use this to pull out a stim pack or a stun grenade or fire gel, but what sort of creative things can we think of to produce without warning? Hmm. You can do some craziness up in here. <laughs> Holy snikey. Let's get crazy up in here. Okay, this this is so non-traditional for Wados and like where we usually focus on a unique piece of equipment, but this was just too good of an idea not to weigh in on. And listener Keendick also seconded it. Um, real quick, guys, I want to start with utility belt. Um, the talent found on page one forty-five of Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook and page one fifty-nine of the Age of Rebellion Core Rulebook. It is available to the Outlaw Tech, both versions of the Scout and the Scientist. Um. With it, the character can, um, as um, as previously said uh, by Mr. Atreides, uh, spend a destiny point as an incidental to produce a previously undocumented but essential small tool with a rarity no greater than four. And it cannot be a weapon unless that weapon also has the limited ammo one quality. Very important to note. Hmm. So this opens the floodgates. I mean, what awesome stuff can we think of? I mean... Immediately, obviously, Darth Atreides' suggestions of stim packs, stun grenades, and fire gel are all wonderful choices. <laughs> um, what other interesting things can we recommend 
in interesting situations that this amazing talent might be used for what could be pulled out of Watto's archives. <laughs> See, when I was over there doing a bunch of stuff, I didn't I didn't even realize the weapon was limited ammo one, so. Yeah. Right. Well, that opens a few possible full explosives. As long as our rarity is low. Um, but, yeah, um, utility belt, with utility belt, you do turn into the goddamn Batman. Yeah. You absolutely do. Because look, just just look in the core rulebook of the gear and equipment that has rarity less than four, that is unrestricted, that could conceivably come out of a utility belt. Electro binoculars, gen- uh, you could argue a general purpose scanner, definitely a hand scanner. Yeah. Now it is clear it says a small item, so you got to kind of be. It's something you could conceivably have on a utility belt. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was looking for encumbrance zero or maybe one. Yeah, and even then, it's like, you know, pulling out a fusion lamp, it's not something you're going to be able to do. Binders. Binders. Yeah, I had binders. Yeah. Binders, man. You know what could uh, save your life? Bolt. Restraining you're bolt. Sa- oh, sorry, Dave, what? You know what can save your life? Hmm. What? A rebreather. Oh, yes. That's a really Absolutely. good call, yeah. That's a really good call. Um, you could argue you could argue something like a thermal cloak, especially if it's designed like a space blanket, you know? Yeah. Those things fold up into be microscopic size practically. They absolutely can. I like some of the more unusual choices. Like, um I, I think about, you know, if if you're if you be, because we have scout uh that exists in two places that can get this, right? If yeah. if I'm out in the field and I'm hunting, um, there's two things be the beast call and the chem lure from Enter the Unknown. Okay. Could be very creative in the right circumstances. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And because they're tailored to specific beasts or specific animals, it's something that you may not have. On, it, it's a it's a perfect thing of something that's undocumented. You know what I mean? It's like you know why would I go? Why would I have that? Oh, I just happen to have that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, um, and also from the hunting perspective, going back to your core rulebook thing, let me right in the edge of the empire core rulebook, guys. Don't forget about the humble net and the bola. Oh, that's right. Both of them super low rarities, limited ammo one, check. Ensnare three and knockdown, bonus. Check. Dude, that's, yeah, I'm saying, the, the, yeah, the, the net and the bola, they're both small enough to fit in a utility belt, and they totally qualify. You could even go really out there with some of the things from, like, uh, from Desperate Allies, like the Insider's Guide or the Species Database. You could. Or just a data pad in general. A data pad? Oh, yeah, I've got one of those. Pull it out of your packet. Yeah. 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 What else? Um, could you pull out an ascension gun? The Mersan Rider Ascension Pistol is not actually a weapon. <laughs> In the right hands, it is. <laughs> it is listed with gear, not weapons, and it cannot be used to attack or deal damage to anything. And again, found in Desperate Allies and holy grappling hook gun, Batman. It is right there. I love the utility belt talent. It's it's phenomenal. Would you guys allow synth rope, or is that too big? Because like Enter the Unknown has twenty meters of synth rope. Um, the way it's described and the way it works is that it it kind of spools out. Oh, yeah. Luke was using synth rope out of his out of his utility belt. I yeah. totally allow that. Yeah, I would too. Okay, because that's another thing I could think of. It's like life saving in a pinch. Yeah, 
um, from Dangerous Covenants, camouflage mm. paint and field goggles. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That. For very good uses in the pinch. So from, um, I think I got this out of the Force and Destiny core rulebook. Synthetic anesthetic. It's, as crazy as that is, it's not no. restricted. It's not restricted. It, it's kind of in the same vein as a stim pack. However, it renders the target unconscious. No, <laughs> that's a really good idea. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh man, that's uh, that's fantastic. Hey, one of the things we talked about in previous episodes: the collar amp. Yep. Yeah, you can even pull it out, toss it to the noble. Here you go. <laughs> yep. Elect- oh no! Wait, electronic lockbreakers restricted, so that's not there. It is restricted. It didn't mention restraining bolt. There is a restraining bolt that could do in a pinch, especially because you really don't plan for that. Yo, we have to come across this droid. Hmm. Um, <laughs> don't <laughs> forget. Do not forget the chance cube. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. <laughs> if you want to spend the destiny point on it, it's there. It's there. Um, okay, hey, from Fly Casual, is it boring to suggest a cargo scanner? No. I mean, you one. can do it. You you could use it. And I I mean, I I I saw it in Fly Casual. Um, and what I saw, what I really wanted to put on there, what I couldn't was that uh, that fire extinguisher looking thing. But it was Encumbrance Three. You can't exactly put that in. Uh, no, no, yeah. But uh, and I hate using encumbrance as the guy because it's like encumbrance is not. It's like, well, yeah, but this. I mean, this. This is like this was like a. I envision it as a fire extinguisher. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it, I hate using encumbrance as, as a guide because it's like something that's encumbrance one. Like could be. I mean, like a fishing rod would be encumbrance one, but it's not something you're gonna have in your tool belt. You know what I mean? Right. Because, I mean, because I can envision this 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 cargo scanner as oh. Well, let me make sure that it is what you say it is. Right. Just out of the blue. Oh. Right. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could. Yeah. I mean, that's that's that's. Yeah. It's 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 potential. It's usable. Um. Yeah. No. I mean. Gosh. I, Especially if you're doing a deal with the Ferengi. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> what? What? So, yeah, it's one of those things, and it, as more books come out, when this talent first came out, a lot of people were like, what the hell good is this talent? You know what I mean? Oh, who? What? But we didn't have the plethora of options that we do now. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Anyone who thought that the utility belt talent was was subpar wasn't thinking. I, I kind of would have to agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Every book has seemed to add at least one or two others with a couple exceptions because diving through some books I did see a bunch of stuff that was rarity five and six and seven but every book adds a few more things that you till that you can just pull literally out of your pocket okay so uh, the the utility belt talent is is too useful it, it's too handy and it, it it just allows you an excuse to do that sort of um, scene-setting use of the Destiny Point that, that's out there. I mean, it, it really opens up to to what the GM can say, 
like, oh, I don't know if you have, you know, let's, you, arguably you can say, okay, we just got to this world where it's a poisonous atmosphere. Well, good thing I spent a destiny point. We just happen to have a crate of, uh, of rebreathers on or, or breath masks on board. And the GM can go like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, can we also have like some some uh, some tents too and survival wilderness survival gear out there? No, no, that doesn't make much sense. You guys would have had to have purchased that offhand. Yeah. The utility belt allows someone to say, "Oh, I have a binder. I I, I have a set of binders. Oh, I have a droid. Uh, I have a droid uh, uh, restraining bolt. Oh, I've got this. I've got that. I have a data pad." Even though he didn't write it down, he has this talent. Where for a destiny point, you've got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm totally down with that. Um. So it's there. This is this is a really fun question and a very unusual Wattos, um, but I uh, really want to get into it. So thank you very, very, very much, Darth Atreides. Um, we do have a couple other still requests out there for regular Wattos getting into some gear, but if you guys have an actual piece of equipment you want us to dig into, talk about some unusual uh, options for it, of course, head to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums, head to the Order 66 podcast boards. You'll find a dedicated sticky thread for Wattos Black Market, and you can post it up there. So... It is there. Uh, and um, Phil, I know it's getting kind of late for you, and we've had a very long discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys think we have time for maybe one or two questions from Messages from the Edge? Yeah, I think we can roll that. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's get to that, because it's been a good while since we've had some, and we've got a couple definitely of good ones. One. Yeah, definitely. definitely one. Maybe two. Let's see how we do. Let's see how we do. Let's see how we do. All right. Let's, let's, let's do it. He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Loving it. Welcome back, of course, guys, to uh, Messages from the Edge, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about the system. And how can people get us these questions, you might ask? Oh, by Phil. the way, you can call 262-D20-RADIO. Oh, 262-D20-RADIO. You know what I'm talking about right there? I know what you're talking about right there. 262-320-7234. Otherwise, you can be a weenie and just put it up on a forum. D20radio.com slash forums. Oh. Or you can email us, GM Dave, GM Phil, GM Chris at D20radio.com. Individually, of course, and we can answer it there. Lots of things. Lots of good things. Yep. All right. Well, um, in the interest of time, uh, let's actually start up. We had a very good question, and he's actually in chat. Um, oh, we got some oh. feedback coming in. Is that coming from? I was you? wondering about that. Darth Cuddles. Yeah. Okay. I think our feedback issues stopped. Um, Skype through a shoe. Skype through a shoe. So, yeah, let's start with a question from Darth Cuddles. Dave, you want to hit us up? Yeah, Darth Cuddles. He says, I have a question related to the blast quality and its effect on minions. Should the blast quality damage all minions individually or should they be affected as a whole, like with standard targeted attacks? While Raw seems mostly clear that it should be the latter, it just feels wrong to adjudicate it that way. For example, a regular blaster rifle, nine base damage, is actually marginally better at hurting minions than a frag grenade, eight base damage, which makes zero narrative sense. Is there something I'm missing? Thanks, Darth Cuddles. P.S. I never listened to the Order 66 podcast because I'm too busy listening to the Order 69 podcast. Giggity, giggity. 
I'm gonna need an RSS feed for that uh, show. Uh, Darth Cuddles, uh, you can send it to G, uh, D- uh, D- uh, GM Phil at d20radio.com. See, you got him all discombobulated with that Order 69 podcast. We've lost Phil functionally for an hour. Gonna need that. Gonna need that. Chop chop. Giggity giggity. Um, this is actually a very good question, and um, this is kind of a case where you, as a GM, really need to consider altering the rules for a more thematic sense. So the blast quality, page 155, Edge of the Empire, core cool rulebook, belongs to a lot of really cool weaponry, but most notably grenades. And simply put, if you roll two advantage, you can spend it to trigger blast, which applies the weapon's blast rating um, to in damage to all targets that are engaged with the original targets. And I think it's like blast six for a frag grenade, blast eight for a stun grenade. Um, it's kind of easy peasy. But Cuddles is right. Minions are the special case, aren't they? Because on page 390 of Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook, a minion group functions as one threat. They share wounds, they share soak, they share all the rest. So yeah, by raw, a blaster carbine would do more damage to a group of four minions than a frag grenade since the minion group technically doesn't have anyone engaged with it. <laughs> um, so what do we do? Well, I, I will simply quote Sam Stewart on this uh, when he, when asked this very same question, said, um, having each minion individually take the blast damage, soak it, and then apply the remainder to their shared pool would be more thematically appropriate. That being said, if the minions were particularly spread out, like if you had a group of four with two each behind two separate barricades, for example, I'd rule that some of the minions couldn't be hit by the blast damage. It does make grenades quite effective against minion groups, but that's sort of the idea in any case. And he's right. There's a situation where I would bend the rules for a minion group, and I would feel totally right in doing so. Um, by the way, thanks to Scavenger for finding that official dev answer from Mr. Stewart. But, I mean, guys, what are your thoughts? Would you treat minions a little differently when it comes to Blast? Is it a unique yeah. situation? I would. Yeah, I wouldn't even give it a second thought. I'd do it exactly like Sam said. Okay. Yep, that's how I've been playing it in my games when the PCs are chucking grenades. In, in fact, I think I did the same thing. If you guys pick up or, you know, if you have access to... The uh, the rest of the story module mm-hmm. uh, that's that's up for um, for the Kickstarter rewards. Yeah, is that there are two minion groups when you're still on Hoth and you do have grenades and that's the way I ran them. Oh my, well there you go. Boom. All right, well let's. I think we have time time for one more question tonight. Um, okay. All right. This is Austin Catan, who's also in chat. I think D twenty Radio alum, Order sixty six archiver. He says, I have a friend who's thinking he'll start GMing us in this system. He's gotten a right. lot. Yay, that's right. Mm-hmm. He's got in his head that someone could buy into a Force of Destiny spec after they got a non-Force spec and be able to use the Force talents once they'd gotten to Force rating talent at the bottom. I'm pretty sure Sam Stewart answered a question similar to this at one point to say you did need one of the Force-sensitive trees, but I can't remember if it's stated specifically in the book. Is it laid out in raw, or am I mistaken? So we had a lot of discussion in the forum about this as well. Um, Let's take just a wee bit of time to review the raw and the dev answers, both provided on this very show, no less. First of all, the raw and the dev clarification is very clear that the only way to get a Force rating of 1 is to either A start your very first career specialization in Force and Destiny. Or, B, buy into Force-sensitive Exile or Force-sensitive Emergent. That is it. 
So let's say you start your career as an Explorer Scout. There's nothing stopping you from buying into a Force and Destiny spec, but unlike starting in that spec, buying into it doesn't grant you a Force rating of 1. You can only get that. You can only become Force-sensitive by first buying into Force-sensitive Exile or Emergent in that case where you started as a Scout. Still, you could buy into Naman Disciple and take talents until your heart's content. The problem is you just can't use them if they are Force talents, not until you have a Force rating of 1 and are Force sensitive. Uh, this is actually clarified on page 136 of Force and Destiny, the core rulebook, talking about Force talents. The deepening issue here is that the Force rating talent, the one that actually increases your Force rating, is a Force talent. <laughs> So it has zero effect if you take it unless you already have a force rating of one, which, again, you only get by either starting in a Force and Destiny spec or starting somewhere else and buying into Force-sensitive Exile or Force-sensitive Emergent. That's the raw. Um, but frankly, I th- guys, I don't know about you, I think his players are asking for the easy GM fiat rule. I mean, most players bitching about this that I've talked to simply want buying into the Force and Destiny spec to grant the Force rating of one. You know what I mean? His players seem to be cool with the dev ruling. They just want to get that, that Force rating of one once they've bought down to, a f- to, the, to the Force rating talent. I mean, dude, personally, Will, this is so non-game-breaking. I have zero issue with it. I'd say let him do it. I mean, force rating is usually buried within each tree, usually on the fourth or fifth row. I mean, mm. yeah, it's against Raw, but who cares? I, I, I would allow it. I'd allow it with the caveat that they can't then buy force-sensitive exile or force-sensitive emergent for a, a quick base force rating one. You oh, know? no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- that's like that out of the box, man. I mean, if, if you if you... Once you have force rating of one from buying into a spec, you can never get it again ever by buying into a spec ever. I mean, that's like right. a, that's like a universal rule. Yeah. No, then I guess it's not game breaking. I don't know. It's 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 only fifty XP to get down there. I wouldn't do it. That's not how I'd play it. But I I don't see it being game breaking if a GM wants to do it that way. I guess you're right. I wouldn't. I also would not allow it. But that's just me. The path to becoming a Jedi is not easy. (laughs) It's very true. Very, very true. If you take the quick and easy route, you shall become a Sith like your father. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you guys have more questions you'd like us to dig into, uh, rules, questions about the game and system, of course. Uh, you can email us, GM Chris, GM Dave, or GM Phil at d20radio.com. Post it up on the forums at d20radio.com slash forums. Head to the Order 66 podcast boards. Or, of course, phone us. Leave us a liner while you're at it, like those lovely people did at the top of the show. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. You can give us a call at 262-D20radio. That's 262-320-7234. But now it is time to come to the end of this particular episode. Um, but gosh, we you guys just want to pop right into post for a minute and talk about our next show because it's kind of important. Yeah. Okay. All right, we can do this. Uh, Gamer Nation, thank you very much. The 66th episode of this new Order 66 podcast. Um, we're, we're blowing and going, and gosh, we have a lot to cover. We have three new titles that have been released we got to cover, and we are in the process of getting those 
developers here on the show to talk with you about them. So keep your eyes peeled and your ears open and more will be coming. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And GM Dems... GM... That, GM Dave says, keep the dice rolling. And may the dice be with you. This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. Phil, I know it's late where you are. It's after eleven, so we'll try and be brief. But we gotta talk. We gotta talk about a couple things. We gotta talk about the fact that we are less than two weeks away from a brand new Star Wars movie. Oh, oh. and we we gotta talk about what we're gonna do about that. <laughs> we are eleven days away, gentlemen. Eleven. Eleven. Uh. God, it, it, it's like it seemed like so long ago. It was like we, we were a year away, yeah. and now we're only eleven days away, and it's it, it's crazy. It's tangible. the The excitement is palpable. It is, it the, is old, palpable. the old guard on Good Morning America, and each and every one of them, including Harrison Ford, saying this movie rocks, is is yeah. so jaw droppingly just. Okay, here's the biggest thing, and I don't know if you guys saw it on on Friday. George Lucas saw it. Really? And he, you know, and you know how much angst he's had. Yeah. yeah, his his interview circuit of the past few months has been that of a passive aggressive child getting pissy because he doesn't have his toy anymore. They, right. they never really, they really never let me get involved with you know the ideas I put out there. They just, they just didn't like them. But and, yeah, he said it was awesome. <laughs> you so, can take that two ways, but if it wasn't for the fact that even Harrison Ford was going, this movie's great, this movie's awesome, this movie's fun. God, I'm excited. Uh, PG-13. Yeah, PG-13 rating, good. PG-13 rating. That means we're going to get somebody cut in half of the lightsaber for a gory. Possibly. Possibly. Okay, but, so... Yeah. so this- no, we're, we're, we're not going to We're not going to do any spoilers here. No, uh, no, no. We're not. We're not doing any spoilers. We're not doing anything. We're just. We're just. What we're talking about here is the fact that, in well, in my case, I'm going to count it ten days because Cindy and I will be getting ready to go to the theater here, at this oh, time right. on Wednesday night. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Yeah, so, okay, so tell tell them what you're doing. We're we're doing the um, we're doing the marathon. The marathon that starts at like two in the morning, and it starts with one, two, and three. I think they give a fifteen or twenty minute 
break between movies and they give us like an hour at lunch or an hour and 15 minutes or something at lunch. And lunch actually happens between four and five, episode four and five. And then after lunch, we do five and six and then seven starts at 6.58. Boom. Yes. <sighs> and, and we're happy, right? And so we're doing this giant marathon at Cinemark and we're like these, you know, we're like members of the Cinemark. So we have our, we have our 2015 cups and, and popcorn buckets. And if you're a 2015 member, you get to refill them all day. For a dollar, a dollar. So I'm gonna be wow. I'm gonna be swimming home in a in a vat of, of of cherry coke, and I'll be smelling like a giant popcorn bucket. But you know what? It's all good. Your blood will be will be replaced by melted movie butter. Melt, but yeah, exactly. But uh, still, that's I just can't I just can't um, I can't contain myself waiting for that. I've got my I've got my dark side hockey jersey, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> I finally lucked out, and they finally figured out uh, arrangements with some of the theaters up here. AMC Burlington is where I'm going to be at five o'clock on the 17th, and they're going to be we're going to be in costume and doing the uh, the doing the thing for an hour and a half, and then they're going to let us change. And then we're we because it's AMC and you reserve your seats, they're going to have seats reserved for us. So we will be able to hop in at seven o'clock and watch the damn movie. Awesome. I've got seven. I've got seven o'clock showings on Thursday night. That's the thing. It's, That's the way to do it. God, I, I. Uh, so prior to that, um, I, I, I'm going to try and in the week prior, once a night, I'm going to leave episode one on the floor, but I'll do the machete order. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do the, I'll do the cut machete order with uh, uh, four, five, two, three, and six. Um, yep. We'll try so, and do. We'll so try here's and do a movie the thing. Night. If 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 you guys do that, oh, but you're going to do it on Thursday, right? Up, leading up to the movie. No, I'll do it. We'll do it in, in the nights leading up to it. So start on Sunday. Yeah, but, like, I, I still think we should all get on while we're doing this and like live comment the movies and record them as special episodes. <laughs> That's reasonable. Um, we'll see about that. Yeah, it's just you know, it's an idea. You catch your iPad, and of course you're going to annoy the hell out of your you know wife who's trying to watch it with you. But you know this, this is this is very true. Um, <laughs> so. so so the big the big thing is Gamer Nation. But by the time we have our next episode, um, which will be obviously in, in two weeks' time, um, on on the twentieth. Yep. We will all have seen the film, and you want to have seen the film too because episode sixty seven is going to be something. Unusual and a little epic for us. Um, we're just going to have an entire show and we're going to do nothing but talk about Star Wars Episode 7. That's right. I think that's fair. With Sam Witwer. If he can make it. And Dave Filoni. Which we don't know how to contact him, but we'll ask. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, there's no way. But we're going to oh, try and get a we, hold of We are in the process of getting some special guests to come on. Um. Additionally, Dave, you want to tell them, I mean, what else we want to do? Oh, yes. In fact, I'm going to invite someone to try it. If you were to dial our new force line, which is going to debut, we're going to take listener calls. And that is 725-33-FORCE. Whoever can dial it first wins. 725-33-FORCE. 
Don't wait for the translation. Just do it now. And we'll put you on the air after, of course, I answer. And then, you know, when I do, I'm going to have to pop down my mic and see, you know, whoever the lucky person is. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, we're going to try and take listener calls during this thing, which is going to be awesome. But if you obviously have not seen the movie, um, you're going to want to not tune into the episode until you see that movie. I think we're just going to definitely want to not be in live chat. <laughs> no, you definitely not want to be in live chat because we're going to do nothing but talking about the movie and spoilers galore and everything else and every single thing we liked or didn't like about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Do we want to possibly talk about first impressions of potentially playing in that era? I think we just might want to do that too. I think we might. I think we might. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's very, very exciting. Um, but we're obviously going to have the uh, the social media machine spun up, guys, um, prior to that. And uh, we'll be sure to have that number out there and broadcast so uh, that you guys can, can call in as, as the time comes. We'll, those, those, we encourage you to watch the live simulcast, and we'll announce you know, when we're ready to have a live caller come in. And sure. uh, you guys can call and... We'll do, you know, five to ten minute uh, segments with listeners, and, you know, we don't want people to hog it, and, uh, and we'll, we'll answer questions or talk about it and get your opinions and stuff on the film, and then we'll, of course, spend a little bit of time talking about, after seeing the film, how we see this game being played in that era. Mm. So that's going to be, a, obviously, a key component, but I'm, I'm still in a state of shock and surrealness. I just, I can't believe it's less than it's 12 days so we're gonna try and uh we're trying doing this and and see if austin Cantan can hear us austin are you there yeah i can hear you over my phone look at that but can you That's hear what we wanted can you That's hear exactly can you what we wanted can you hear the air with us over phone can you hear phil and me Woo. can you hear phil austin. and i this is amazing it's uh I think you mentioned having to splice the wire once to do this for your NASCAR show. <laughs> I don't think he can hear us, Dave. Can Can you hear Phil and, and uh, Can you hear Phil and, and Chris come through, or do you just hear me? I only hear you. Sir. Oh, so phooey! That might be a, something you fix. Yeah. See, we yeah. we just kind of we got to tweak this thing a little bit somehow. It needs to be yeah. Yeah, experimentation. He's testing it now as opposed to five minutes before. Uh, <laughs> before. Not, yeah. That's, during. That's a good idea. So you know. All right, so we'll we'll come up with I'll come up with a way to feed the audio back through this 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 channel, but anyway, it works, gentlemen. At least in sort of. <laughs> now, are you are you are you seeing the movie at seven Thursday night? Oh me, uh, no. Unfortunately, I was one of the poor nerds who was suffered uh, the internet breaking uh, with Fandango that night, so I got first showing uh, Friday morning. So me and my friends are just going to marathon the first three movies Thursday night, ignore the internet all night, and then wake up in the morning and go. Perfect. Good man. Phil says good man. Keenan IMAX. So. Excellent. All right. Well, we will find a way to, to get this thing through the right way, and uh, and hopefully you'll be able to hear a little bit more of them as well as me. <laughs> Well, you've got two weeks to figure it out. So if uh, you ever need anyone to help test, I'm often floating around on Facebook, as you probably see me sharing and liking things all the time. Of course. All right, man. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Bye, GMs. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Uh, okay. That was awesome. It kind of works. It's it, a good test. It's we'll, a good test. We just got it somewhere fine. We just, we just got to get it somehow to where, by the way, I cut it off now. So if anybody calls again, so yeah, it's going to go to voicemail. For the love <laughs> of God, let's test this before the show. Oh, and you know what? It was me. And not like Sunday me. before the show. I think I created a circuit bridge. I think I was like touching the, uh, I was like touching the, uh, the cable as I was trying to get it ready for the phone. And it made this bzzz. That's what that was from. Okay. Ah. It happens. Yeah, because I just heard it for a second there. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I want to I wanna speculate about the damn film so bad, but I just, at the same time, I want to be respectful of people that don't want to be spoiler-free, so I don't know. Um, I've done my best, especially lately, because especially things have been ramping up for, oh, what does this person say about X and Y? And so, you know, I'm like, no, I'm just not going to, unless it's like an official trailer, I'm, I'm just not going to. Just yeah, not gonna watch it. This is gonna be it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough. But it's gonna be amazing too. I'm I'm just I'm there. I oh, I, I've, I I don't have to watch um, Batman versus Superman. No, I don't either. Because because now that the new trailer came out, every the entire I, movie is completely spoiled, and they've released every yep. plot point. So Those why the hell do I? Idiots. Why the hell do I need to watch that movie now? I have no yeah. Every major uh, scene, every character point in development, and and the villain and all that. Yeah, I, I understand it all now. Don't need to watch the movie. By the way, I know what's wrong. Oh, that's good. I oh. have I have an audio cable. I do not have a, a bi-directional. I have a one-way audio cable. I need a bi-directional audio cable, and it'll work. Well, uh, you know, like the headphone thing that you can talk into? It has three black bars, not just two. Well, we have two weeks to test it and get it figured out, buddy. We got two weeks, man. We got two weeks. We got the two weeks. Eh? Two utes. Two utes. <laughs> no, that's different. You're right. Uh, all right. I should get rolling. Good night, Phil. Looking night, forward Phil. to two weeks, gentlemen. Uh, good night, Gamer Nation. We'll see you yeah. all in two weeks with Force Awakens goodness. Good luck. Good night.